point of time will even say that if you don't agree with their position, you may not be a true believer at all. Normally, this position comes from people who are convinced that Saturday is still the true Sabbath, um, and that God commands us to keep it holy. These people would say that if we willfully disobey the fourth commandment, or observing the Sabbath in any other way than what's prescribed in the Ten Commandments, then that's a sign you're not a Christian at all. Because after all, those who love God obey God. Now, while it's true that those who love God obey God, we have to ask the question, what does God require of us today in regards to the Sabbath? How are we to obey Him according to the Bible? Is Sunday the new Sabbath? Or is it still Saturday? Or is the Sabbath day abolished completely? That is the point of today's sermon, to understand the Sabbath and what God expects of us today. But we won't be able to answer any of these questions if we don't understand the seven-day creation, which is what our passage is on today. To understand the Sabbath, as revealed in all of Scripture, we need to grab this Genesis passage. So let's read it, and then pray together. Thus, the heavens and the earth were finished, and all the hosts of them. And on the seventh day, God finished his work he had done, and he rested on the seventh day from all his work that he had done. So God blessed the seventh day and made it holy, because on it God rested from all his work that he had done in creation. Let's pray together. Father in heaven, as we study your word today, help us by your spirit to understand the truth of where you're teaching us. Help us to obey your word, and not to go too far or too short of it, so we may not add or take away from anything you've given us. Guide us in this time and show us more and more the beauty of your son, Jesus, and the gospel you've given us. We trust in you, in Jesus' name. Amen. Uh, to give you an idea of where we're going today in the sermon, first we're going to look at the Genesis passage, and it will help us answer two questions. Why did God rest, and why did God make a sense? Then we'll look at the Sabbath day as given to us um, by Moses in Exodus. And then finally we'll look at um, the Sabbath today. How does it apply, apply to us today in light of Christ? Chapter 2 of Genesis begins with, Thus the heavens and earth were finished, and all the hosts of them. The word thus is telling us that therefore, or in this manner the heavens and earth were finished. It's meant to point back to everything we've been learning from uh, Genesis chapter 1. That God, who is eternal, timeless, and, and completely distinct from all creation, created all of the heavens and the earth in six successive days. And at the end of the six days, he declared everything very good. God looked at all that he had done in those six days, and he knew that it was excellent. Not lacking in anything, perfect and complete. Verse 2 repeats what we're told in verse 1, that on the seventh day God finished the work he had done. Twice then, this passage talks about God finishing creating things, and the second time, the idea of God resting goes along with it. I think that's because God is clarifying why he rested. There's an emphasis here on God finishing. God wants us to understand that the reason he rested is not because he was exhausted, he wasn't tired, he was simply satisfied with his work. God rested because his work was finished. The word for rested here in the Hebrew is going to sound familiar to you. Sabbath, which is where the word Sabbath comes from, and it literally means to cease. Uh, so picture a road trip, a very long road trip, perhaps 20 hours down the road. Um, during the course of this road
growth that you're going to be doing the work of traveling. Um, along the way, you're going to take many breaks, perhaps for fueling, uh, eating, going to the bathroom, sleeping. Um, you're going to have to use your health This kind of rest is not the kind of rest that you guys are Rather, when you get to the very end of your road trip, at the end of those 20 hours, when you arrive at your destination, you're also going to cease from the work of traveling. And this is exactly what you guys are doing here in God's resting was simply the natural and obvious result of God's creation being done. God's resting means that he stopped because he finished. And then, to celebrate the finished work of creation, God made a seventh day to commemorate his work. That's what we see in verse 3. It says, So God blessed the seventh day and made it holy, because on it God rested from all his work that he had done in creation. We have this idea that God blessed the seventh day and made it holy. God had already blessed things in chapter 1, including the fish of the sea, people. Um, but here we see the seventh day is blessed and made holy. This is the first time that God declares something holy. Um, God alone can do so. Let's talk a little bit about what it means when God can make something holy. When we think of the word holy, we often think of uh, being set apart or separated. And when God sets something apart from the rest, it's usually, it's always, for a specific purpose. This is true, and this is a very good view on holiness. But I also want to give two more aspects of holiness to help us understand holiness even better. First, holiness implies not just a horizontal separation, but a vertical one. When God makes something holy, he's bestowing greater honor and glory to whatever he's beholdifying. Uh, this is what we see in this passage today. God makes the Sabbath day, the day of rest, holy by setting it apart from the other six days, raising it up to a higher position so that it would be given greater honor than the other six days. So holiness implies being set apart vertically. The second aspect of holiness that we sometimes forget is that Anything that is holy finds its source of holiness from God. Nothing is holy by itself. It always points back to and connects to God's holiness. And that's exactly what we see in verse 3. God blessed the seventh day and made it holy because on it God rested. God rested from all his work he had done in creation. God did not give greater honor to the seventh day for the sake of the seventh day. He did it in order to elevate himself. If the seventh day is holy, it's because God is holy. The seventh day acts simply as a beacon, a, a teacher, to remind us of God and our Creator, and specifically, God's work and power of creation, God's dominion and sovereignty, God's goodness, and most relevant to this passage, where we see God resting. The seventh day reminds us of God's ability to make things holy. So, the seventh day is holy so that we can remember the holiness of God, especially in the sense of God as creator. God has made and completed paradise and then placed mankind in it to live an abundant and fulfilling life in his loving presence. The seventh day is meant to help us remember and celebrate God as the perfect creator. As Adam and Eve have been living in that paradise and observing the beautiful world God created, it would constantly be reminded that God was the one who made it all. Even if Adam and Eve did not sin, and the world had not been corrupted by the curse of sin and death, were we still pure today, and unblemished, and sinless people, 
even then you would have the seven day reminder uh, of God our Creator. Each week, the seven day would have helped us remember that it's paradise that we live in. This perfect world that is very good was made by God. And our dominion of James Bears was, was given to us by God. As we would have gone about ruling and subduing the world around us, the seventh day would have constantly reminded us of our Lord, our Lord and Maker. So, in summary so far, we see that God finished his work of creation. That is, he ceased from working on his first Sabbath day. Now that he was tired, that he was complete and to his satisfaction. Therefore, he made a seventh day and made that day holy, which means separated by his own greater honor to it, so that mankind would never forget that the Lord our God, our Creator, is holy. The seventh day was made holy in order to remind us, his people, of him, so that we would not forget how it is that we got here, and so that we would never stop worshiping, revering, and fearing the great God who makes us a beautiful world. This is good for us to remember today as well. The Sabbath should remind us of God's power of sovereignty creation, and also we should remember that God finishes the work he sets out to do. We should trust today that God is not to break, and he doesn't get tired, he doesn't relent, and he works in such a way that he doesn't stop until he's satisfied, until what he's working on is finished. Take heart to that. Because God is at work today in the same way. Today, of course, he's working on different things. In creation week, he, he created. Today, he's recreating. Um, in creation week, he was structuring, establishing, and ordering creation. Today, God is renewing. But be encouraged, because we are God's workmanship. In times of doubt and difficulties, know that God has not stopped working, and he's not forgotten about you. He will finish the good work that he started in you, which is to make you complete and whole again. Now, I want to take a little break here from the Genesis passage and go on to talk about the Sabbath as it was given to the Israelites. Is the Sabbath that we see in the Ten Commandments the same as what we see in Genesis? I think what we see from Scripture is that the answer is no, it's not the same. There are similarities, but there are also some major to begin with, the Sabbath was given to the Israelites in Exodus was part of the Mosaic Covenant, which is rooted in the law, the Ten Commandments. The Mosaic Covenant Sabbath was given as a commandment, it was commandment number four, um, and it was a very strict command to be obeyed under the penalty of death. On the other hand, the Genesis Sabbath was never given as a commandment. The second major difference, and perhaps more importantly, is that the Genesis Sabbath and the Mosaic Covenant Sabbath are on different sides of the world. They're both rooted in the important concept of God's resting, but they're both uh, and they're both symbols of God's rest. But one is a symbol of God's rest before sin, and the other is a symbol of God's rest after sin had already entered his creation. This means that it has to serve slightly different purposes. Let's read, actually, in Exodus chapter 20, where uh, God institutes um, the Ten Commandments, and we see the Sabbath given as well. This is going to be in Exodus chapter 20, verses 8 through 11. Remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy. Six days you shall labor and do all your work, 
But the seventh day, the Sabbath to the Lord your God, on it you shall do no work, or rather you shall not do any work, you or your son, or your daughter, your male servant, your female servant, your livestock, or sojourner who's within your gates, or anyone. No one shall be doing any work. For in six days the Lord made heaven and earth, the sea, and all that is in them, and rested on the seventh day. Therefore, the Lord blessed the Sabbath day and made it safe. So far there, we're getting a lot of things we've already talked about. Let's now turn to Exodus 31, which gives us further clarification on this passage. Here, I would like to turn to Exodus 31, verse 12. This is a couple of verses Starting in verse 12 of chapter 31. And the Lord said to Moses, You are to speak to the people of Israel today. Above all, you shall keep my Sabbath, for this is a sign between me and you throughout your generations, that you may know that I, the Lord, sanctify you. You shall keep the Sabbath, because it is holy for you. Everyone who profanes it shall be put to death. Whoever does any work on it, that soul shall be cut off from among his people. Something new is going on here. Now we get this idea of sanctification connected to the Sabbath. God has now added a new meaning to the Sabbath that we did not see then. We have this idea now being purified and made new. To help us understand this, a picture and imaginary line would represent the fall. This is sin and death and the fall and creation. Chronologically, from your side, left to right, we have Adam and Eve over here. And this is the Sabbath before the fall in Genesis. We have the fall here, and then finally we have the Israelites over here. And this is the Sabbath that gives us in the second Okay. Over here, Adam and Eve experience the very good. This is a world without sin, without evil, suffering, no injustice, no corruption, no brokenness. None of any of these nasty things you can think of. None of that exists over here. We're talking about a paradise like no other, and this is God's rest. Then, after the fall, the Israelites had a very different experience. In fact, they knew all too well through slavery in Egypt uh, about uh, sin and evil. Um, not only in the world around them, they saw it, they were committing the, the sins and evil as well. We have here that paradise. Over here we have paradise lost after the fall. Over here we have God's rest. Over here we have no longer in God's rest after the fall. Over here, the Sabbath day would have pointed us to the beauty of creation, would have pointed us to the beauty of the Creator, because it's His handiwork, it's His masterpiece. The Sabbath over here would only remind us of the corruption of the creation, because it reminds us of the wholeness and conception of the the finishing work of God. But that's not the experience we, we observe, the Israelites not seen this. So that would have reminded us constantly that something was wrong, the corruption of the world, which points to the offenders. How did it happen? It points to us, the sinners, who rebelled against God, who caused that corruption to enter creation. It therefore reminds us of our needs and cleanse. The Sabbath over here points us to God's rest as, um, as something that was an actual reality, an active reality after the fall. The Sabbath points us to a future rest, uh, to give an anticipation for something that no longer exists, uh, no longer in reality. Therefore, we beg the question, what is the solution? How do we fix it? So, therefore, the Sabbath would point us right back to God and his promises, the solution to this whole mess. 
God, after his creation, um, was arrested and went back to work. He said he would restore his creation and he destroyed sin and evil. And he will. His promise will. He's gone back to work and he won't stop working until he can again look back as the creation and say, It is very good. Therefore, God gave the Israelites the Mosaic covenant as a sign, a memorial, a symbol, to remind us not only of his work in creation and how he made his work whole and complete, but also as a symbol of God's intent to make it whole and complete once again in light of the corruption of the Our sin and our self-confidence point to our need to be sanctified and cleansed by God so that we can once again enter God's rest. God has promised that he will restore his people and his entire creation back to how things were in Eden. So the Mosaic Covenant does not provide the rest of need. It merely points us to our need for God's true status rest. Where does it leave us today? How are we to observe the Sabbath? How has God chosen to restore his broken creation back into wholeness and perfection? Jesus taught. Come to me, all who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. That is to say, all of you who labor under the slavery of sin, and who are heavy laden by the demands of the law, come to me. And I will take that burden away from you by placing it on my shoulders. See, Jesus fulfilled the law, and can take away our sin, providing forgiveness by his shed blood. He can make us whole and complete again, pure. Jesus then keeps the word that will ultimately bring us into God's full rest. The exact opposite of God's rest is God's wrath. If you think about it, we're experiencing now is no longer God's rest, at least a small case of it. Uh, what is life like without God? But the fullness of this current end in God's rest. On the one hand, God's rest means God is finished because we're whole and complete. But those who experience God's wrath are forever broken. There are some who will not enter God's wrath because of their disobedience and lack of faith. But Jesus brings us into God's wrath by atoning for our sins on the cross, which means to satisfy and make payment for our sins. And this turns away God's wrath. It turns away God's wrath from us and offers us the cleansing that we do so desperately need. That Jesus worked on the cross guarantees that we will enter God's wrath. In one sense, we have rest now because we no longer have to work and obey the law and the sacrificial system that the Israelites have to follow. Can you imagine what it's like now having to follow the law and all this um, ceremonies and the systems in place? That burden is gone. In another sense, though, we have yet to enter God's rest because paradise has not yet been restored and because God is still at work. But because of the cross, the outcome is secured. When Jesus comes back again, there's no doubt that we will fully enter God's rest at that time. When God creates a new heaven and earth, we will have a place there because of Jesus. All of this means that the Mosaic Covenant Sabbath is different from the Sabbath of the New Covenant, which we are part of today in Christ's life. To help us understand this, we can draw another imaginary line, uh, where this time the line represents Jesus and the cross. Uh, over here we have the Israelites and the Mosaic Covenant Sabbath. Over here we have uh, us today, those who have faith in Christ, the Sabbath and the New Covenant. Over here we have 
the uh, Israelites experiencing life in a corrupted creation. Over here we have us also experiencing life in a corrupted creation. Over here we have no longer God's rest because paradise is lost. Over here we have future rest and 100% assured in Jesus. Paradise is secured and Jesus is making all things new because Jesus will bring us into God's rest. Over here, the Sabbath reminds us of our sin and our need for cleansing. After the cross and after Jesus, we have Jesus taking away our sin and providing that cleansing that we needed. Over here, we have God's rest is now something that we anticipate and look forward to. We still anticipate and look forward to a rest today, but again, we have a small taste of it now through the promise of the Holy Spirit living in us. And as we can rest from work for the law. We depend on grace today, not the law. Finally, over here we have the, the Sabbath for the Israelites pointing us to God's promises as our hope that God's return to work is a solution. After the cross, we have the substance of our Sabbath rest is revealed Jesus Christ, who fulfills all of God's promises. To observe then the Sabbath day today means to come to Christ. To observe the Sabbath today means to come to Christ in faith. And trusting in His power and His work alone to bring us into God's rest. We cling to Jesus every day of the week, every day of the week, not just one, and the Sabbath day always, always in Jesus. This means today that there are no Sabbath days that we must observe. Earlier we asked the question is Sunday the Sabbath? If the Sabbath is about Jesus and the rest he gives us, then even today is not the Sabbath. Even the Lord's Day should not be considered the Sabbath day. This doesn't mean that the Sabbath has been abolished. But only that the symbol that hates the Sabbath day is no longer necessary because Christ has been revealed to us. Our only Sabbath requirement is to come to Christ in faith and then to follow Christ in faith. And isn't that what Jesus taught us anyway? Jesus said simply, follow me. To keep the Sabbath day holy today is to follow Jesus. Nothing more. Mm-hmm. If this is hard to believe, and I, I'm guessing some of you might find this hard to believe, you might find it interesting that nowhere in the New Testament are we told to observe the Sabbath day or to keep the Sabbath day holy. Even though every single other of the Technomans, the other nine commands are repeated in the New Testament with the exception of the Sabbath day. In fact, God gives us passages where we're told not to worry about observing Sabbath day. Colossians 2 tells us, Let no one pass judgment on you in question of food and drink, or with, with regard to the festival, or a new moon, or a Sabbath. These are shadows of things to come, but the substance belongs to Christ. Or in Romans 14, we're told that one person esteems one day is better than another, while another esteems all days alike. Everyone should be fully convinced in his own mind that one who observes the day observes it in honor of the Lord. In other words, there's nothing wrong with observing the Sabbath day today, even as Christians, as long as you know that the substance is fresh. It can be very honored to God and very beneficial for our own maturing faith uh, to observe the Sabbath day in a Mosaic covenant sense as a personal commitment before God, as long as you have the knowledge that it's pointing to as long as you know that it's all about Christ, and the way to observe it is, is pointing back to Christ. But this passage in Romans 14 clearly shows that it's a choice each believer can make because it's no longer a requirement of God's people. 
The faculty was merely as the patient part, much like John Baptist, who prepared the way for the Lord. John Baptist said this, I can decrease, and Jesus must increase. And also, after me comes he who is mightier than I, the stuff who says I'm not worthy to stoop down and not For I was baptized with water, but he will baptize you with the Holy Spirit. If this conversation be so today, it will say this. I must decrease. Jesus must increase. After me comes one who is mightier than I, for I remind you of God's rest, but he will bring you into God's rest. And we don't have time for the Hebrews. We're discussing this with even more depth. We went through a series on Hebrews not super long ago, um, and one of the sermons in that series was about the Sabbath rest in chapter 4 of Hebrews. I would encourage you then to read chapter 4 of Hebrews when you have time and study it for yourself. It's another passage that helps understand Jesus as a fulfillment of the Sabbath. And also feel free to go online to our website and listen to that sermon. It was given to uh, it was given here on December 11, 2016. So if you go on our website and you click on the sermon link, you have to go nine pages down. <laughs> December 11, 2016. Okay. The point to remember though is that we don't have to observe the Sabbath day any longer because the Sabbath day is just a shadow cast of Christ. The Sabbath points to Christ. Let's go back to Genesis 2. Thus, the heavens and the earth were finished, and all the hosts of them. And on the seventh day, God finished his work that he had done, and he rested on the seventh day from all his work that he had done. So God blessed the seventh day and made it holy, because on it God rested from all his work that he had done in creation. God created a paradise. It contained no flaw. The creation was in God's breath. And Adam and Eve were in But their sin allowed corruption to enter God's perfect world, which He had finished, so everything was messed up. And we were no longer allowed to stay in God's rest. Mankind now broken, God chose to go back to work in order to fix things. And He has worked mightily through Jesus to redeem us and bring us back into His rest. God is working today. But one day, He will begin to peace from His work. What a day that will be for all of us in God's heart.